Welcome to Looking Backward, where we analyze an entrepreneur's past to learn about the skill set, experiences, and network that they have built over the years to put them on the trajectory that they're on now. I'm your host, Chad Sakonchik. Today I have Tony Jackarusso, and she's going to be talking about her experience uh, that really kind of revolves around uh, her being a successful uh, or just being successful in the hotel industry. So I'm going to just let her jump in and get started and start telling her story. Thanks for having me, Chad. I appreciate it very much. It's been um, quite the journey. You know, I, I think that my I've been in the hotel business now for over 30 years, and so there's a lot of history there. And I know you had asked me about, like, career progression, and it certainly started when I was 15 years old as a babysitter, you know, and then I had a job as a department store person that was tagging clothing in the basement of a major department store throughout some of my high school. And then I got a night audit job in high school and started working at a hotel and just progressed to the point where now I founded my own company, Jack Russo Enterprises in 2007. We are um, right now, I have a 130 employees. We're all over the country. I support hotels in Canada, Latin America, and the United States. And it's just been an incredible journey in my entrepreneurial spirit as I've, I've been able to sort of utilize my entrepreneurial skills throughout working for many other people before starting my own company, but didn't realize it at the time. It's only with looking back. So I think, um, I think your podcast is right on. And I think that people have really incredible journeys to get where they are now because it certainly didn't start out successful. <laughs> it never does, right? And so you've been doing this for 12 years now. Um, I, you know, I, I remember when you started it, um, but so, so yeah, but 12 year journey just for this business. Um, so congratulations on that, but yeah, let's, let's go into what got you here. Thank you. Um, it, it yeah, I didn't start out doing what I'm doing and I know that from a lot of entrepreneurs too, right? You, you think you're going to do one thing and then it morphs into something else. And it, for me, it morphed into where's the money? What I thought I was going to do, nobody wanted to pay for. <laughs> so my um, entrepreneurial journey. I mean, I've, I've definitely felt that I've, I have, I felt that pain very, very deep when you said that is that, you know, you know, everybody, everybody says, follow your passion and do what you want to do. Um, but that's not necessarily, you know, what works. I, I think that might be kind of misleading, uh, uh, a misleading uh, piece of advice, but you know, th there are things you can find within making money that you can find as a passion. So, um, yeah, good good point on that is that, you know, follow the money. Yeah, I could. Well, and the whole craze, I think it was, you know, in the 70s or 80s, the book that came out that was, you know, do what you love and the money will follow. And while I, in theory, think that, but I think it's more find something you love to do that does have some financial backing behind you or that people are willing to buy. And I have incorporated everything I love to do into my current business. And you know, we are right now a $15 million company and I are, we are on the rise and growing like crazy. We've been listed in the Inc. 5000 fastest growing private companies for three years in a row. So what we're doing is working and it absolutely was about following the money trail, but being true to myself along the way. So, so why don't we start with giving everybody just a, a quick touch on what your specific business is now that that is working and has worked for you and, and that you've grown into this, you know, huge, you know, national, I think international now hotel kind of uh, service. Yeah, thanks for asking. We do small to medium size hotel sales support. So we take hotels that are smaller that don't have a lot of meeting or event space or restaurants and we become those hotels salesperson and we predominantly book groups for those hotels or let's say corporate accounts and a corporate account can be anything from a business that's in the local area typically geographically located close to the hotel we're supporting and they may have anywhere from 100 room nights a year to um, thousands of room nights a year you know so we spend a lot of time trying to prospect for new business on the behalf of the hotels that we support as well. 
so we have a distributed workforce, which is um, kind of unique and, and innovative as far as today. So I have all of my employees work from a remote environment. It's typically in a home office. So that's what we do. It's a monthly subscription fee to the hotel. Most of our hotels are branded, whether it's a Hilton, Marriott, IHG, Radisson, Best Western, Wyndham, Choice. Those are our those are our customers, the largest hotel branded companies in the world. So so from a layman's point of view, you go, you know, a large a large hotel like, you know, a JW Marriott has a huge staff and they've got a lot of the resources um, to hire a, an in-house sales team. You are going after more of the small, medium hotels that might be a little bit more strained on resources. And instead of them having to hire, you know, these heads of people, um, you know, that requires a lot of financial overhead, you're essentially providing that to them um, as an outsourced service for a lower fee. Exactly. And, you know, something that you said, too, is a hotels, especially the smaller hotels, it's difficult to find really good talent that um, that the hotel can afford. So when you find a spectacular hotel salesperson, it's hard to keep them typically within the budgeted guidelines of a small to medium sized hotel. And so you can there's a lot of turnover at that level. And a lot of times they don't even have the budget or can't even find somebody that is really good. So the general manager ends up having to play the role of you know, salesperson booking wedding parties, as well as front desk clerk, as well as part-time housekeeper if they fall, you know, if somebody calls in sick, they end up wearing all these hats. And while they are doing the best they can, they aren't, they don't have a, a whole dedicated focus on sales. And so if you're not building that base business, just like any other business, um, hotels are dependent on the pipeline, the new customers coming in on a continual basis. It, it, the hotel's gonna suffer financially. And what's really cool is when we take the sales efforts over from a GM that maybe doesn't have a salesperson, we are able to let them focus on what they need to focus on, which is the guest or customer experience. We also, though, have about 50% of our customers do have a salesperson on site, and so we partner with them, and that is an ideal situation as well. So there might be somebody that needs a little training, and the general manager doesn't have the time or expertise to devote to that, or it could just simply be somebody that's really good at what they do, but they need some help, or they want to divide up the jobs where we do prospecting and they make sales calls, or you know, there's a lot of different ways we can work with a hotel, um, but it certainly is an effective business and we have a, 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 you know, within six months, we're showing almost an 8%, um, not 8%, I'm sorry, an eight times return on their investment. So um, it's, you know, that's why we're growing. What we're doing is working and, and there is an ROI. And so it's in what was also interesting kind of from your perspective, from your business perspective as the entrepreneur is that, you know, uh, it was interesting you say that they, they couldn't, you know, they can't find talent per se. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in every every small market across you know the United States, there aren't going to be this very specifically trained, talented salesperson. So what you're doing is you're kind of centralizing them. I know they work, work remotely, but you're bringing them in into one area where they all kind of are like-minded people. But then they also handle more than one hotel. So instead of having one person at every hotel across the United States hired by the hotel you are providing a, a lesser amount of resources, but you're maximizing their productivity by allowing them to each handle, you know, a, a certain amount of hotels, um, you know, a handful of hotels themselves, but also providing them with the, the tools necessary to be as efficient as they can, which a hotel isn't going to be able to know to build these own, you know, their own tools or, or have the resources to do that. So you're really, really laser focusing on maximizing the output of these, uh, these salespeople. So your company makes a lot of money, but you're also, you know, eight times uh, return for a hotel. That, that's amazing. So, every, so it sounds like this is a everybody wins situation. 
<laughs> that's what we tell. That's what, well, that's what I think, and that's what we tell people. And it's, I think it's working because we are growing. It's funny too that um, the quality of our salespeople is what makes us successful. So I am not under any illusion that I am the reason why we are successful. I think I have an incredible ability to have vision. I think I'm really good at communicating that. And I'm really good at attracting really good labor um, because we've done a lot of work on figuring out who the ideal salesperson is for this type of job. And we have incredible um, sort of there's barriers along the way to get a job with us. We, we get about 100 resumes to every one person we hire. And it's difficult to work here. We are looking for the best hotel salespeople in the world. And then you have to take a person that's an amazing hotel salesperson that has a ton of experience and also marry that with somebody that's able to be self-managed, to, to live and work from home, to be able to juggle, you know, six to eight to ten hotels. I mean, there's just a very specific type of person. And, you know, my staff goes crazy because we sometimes get in a situation where we have people that have signed up for our service and we don't have people to service those hotels. And so we make them wait. And it's literally like not being able to pick up money that's sitting there waiting for you. But I will never compromise the quality of salesperson because I'm absolutely convinced that that's what makes us successful at what we do. And anybody that's ever had a bad hire knows <laughs> that that's never, that the short term is never a good solution for a long term, you know, strategy, which is what I have is a long term yeah. strategy. So. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And, and really, that I mean, that's amazing. You know, kudos to you. Um, so let's now go, you know, let's dive backwards um, into um, into your path. And, you know, so, you know, give us kind of a list of, you know, what you did and what your jobs were and, and how you got to where it is today and what you picked up along the way. Well, yeah, thanks for asking. I think it's so funny. It wasn't until recently when I was looking back at my very first job, I was babysitting, which a lot of young teenagers do and to make money on the weekends. And predominantly, it was on the weekends. And I actually ended up having one client that was, you know, I'd go after school for a couple hours a day to allow her to run errands. And the, it was a mom that was taking care of the children at the time. But I was doing a lot of weekend babysitting, and so I was trying to get more customers, and so I took index cards and wrote my name and my phone number and put experienced babysitter. I have one of them framed in my office because it's just, it, it warms my heart. And so I went door to door, so there's my sales effort, right? And so I started getting a lot of calls. And what would happen is I'd find myself with a commitment to babysit on a Friday night for a parent that had one child that might have been not the best behaved child. And then you get another parent that had, you know, a much more fun environment with cooler kids. And I, I had to turn them down because I already had this job with this other family. And I thought, okay, how do I? Basically, I thought, how do I scale this? And I didn't have those words at the time, but I got all my little friends together that wanted to babysit. And I said, I am going to be the main number. I'm going to have all the parents call me. And then when I get the jobs, I'll call you. You will go then babysit. And I will be that middleman and then take a small percentage of the hourly fee that you got from the parents. So it it was great. I ended up having about eight girlfriends um, we had, you know, nonstop, I was getting calls. This is back in the day where we didn't have, um, we did have an answering machine, but it was certainly not a cell phone. So I'd come home from school and run in there and try to check my messages to see if I had any new business. <laughs> so that was awesome. I did that from about age, I don't know, 12 to 16 until I could get a, a legitimate job that, you know, it wasn't just cash business where I actually had to start paying taxes. <laughs> I, I have a I have an interesting just weird question about you know the the answering machine. Did did you by chance still have the answering machine as your normal family answering machine, or did you change the the greeting to be more about your business? <laughs> That's such a great business. That's such a great question. We actually I got a whole new phone line installed in my room. It was fourteen dollars and ninety nine cents a month. It was more money than I had ever spent on anything again. And um and I had a message that just said, This is Tony, please leave me a message. And I I didn't even know to customize that at the time. I wish I would have thought to do that. But no, but I did have my own line. That was a, that was entrepreneurial as well. I that, didn't yeah. know that's what I was doing. 
<laughs> that's interesting. That's really interesting. All right. So at 16, you went from babysitting uh, and running a an empire of eight babysitters <laughs> with your 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 whole phone line to yourself with an amazing <laughs> greeting. I have to say, um, I would I would have hired you. Um, but yeah. So where'd you go um, from there? So it's funny because from there I went to work at a department store. It was called Dayton's at the time. It was in downtown Minneapolis. And they had a basement. And, and this was kind of their headquarters store. And in the basement, they all the clothes for all the other stores would come in in these huge boxes. And we were basically down in shipping and receiving. And I would take the box and I would take it to my station and then you'd get these tags, which literally were the price tags for the clothing. And you'd tag all the clothes, you know, based on the, the size and the what it was. And then you'd take it over to another area called um, hanging. And those people would put it on hangers and then they'd take the racks up to the floors. What, what is, that's all fine. It was a job, right? But what was so significant about that job for me, and I had that job for maybe a year, is it was really horrible work. It was basically a factory. It was dirty. It was loud. I mean, like, there's nothing that you had to think about. It wasn't creative. But what I loved about it is I was surrounded by my friends. I had all these little girlfriends and, you know, and guys, the people I hung out with in high school. So there we were, you know, 16, 17 years old, and we'd all go to work together, and we'd take breaks together. And, you know, I remember being on the floor, and we had, you know, pranks that we'd do to each other, and it was just fun. And that was something that resonated with me back that far when I look back on my life of the best jobs I've ever had for me. All of those had to do with the people I was working with. And even as I got into my hotel career and had jobs that I was in hotels, but I hated the job, it typically wasn't anything to do with the job. For me, it's around, it's about who I surround myself with and who I'm, you know, who I get to work with every single day. If I'm working with people I love, I can pretty much do anything. You know, if you ever want to start a company, I could work with you. And <laughs> I really care about yeah. people. It's fun, you know, and then I have a good time, and um, that's what brings me satisfaction and joy in my life, and it's certainly the driving force in my company today. So, so in that, you know, it's, it's interesting that you had this, that you got this job uh, with all your friends. Can you, first of all, why did you stop the babysitting job to do this, or what kind of circumstances, you know, led from one to the other? And also, how did it become a place where all your friends were working there? Was someone there first and then convinced all their friends to come along? Or did they just have a bunch of positions open and you all did it at the same time? Like, how did that happen? Yeah, great question. I'm sure that they targeted high schoolers because they didn't pay well. I'm sure it was minimum, it was minimum wage. And I wish I could go back and see, remember who was the first person because that's absolutely what happened. You know, one or two of them got a job and then they started recruiting for the company and all of a sudden a bunch of us were there. And that first or second person, the one that were, was doing the recruiting, they would be the best salespeople in the world, right? That's who you would want in your company in your company today. And I think the reason why I left babysitting is just like most of my careers. I got bored with it. Um, there wasn't any challenge anymore. Now you're just watching children. And I don't have a passion for, um, you know, working with, with babies or young adults or, or little kids. So it lost its um, excitement. And I wasn't able to make as much money as I think I wanted to. I certainly made more money at Dayton's as I, when I went to that that you know job and then I think my next job was a night audit position at a hotel and that was bizarre that that ever even happened and it was a combination I was working in the in the Dayton's department store basement <laughs> and there was a lot of it that was fun with the people but it was still a very monotonous kind of boring job and then the Holiday in downtown Minneapolis on Nicollet Mall, the general manager asked me to babysit for him. It was a it was a referral from one of the mothers, and I thought, okay, he had the penthouse apartment on the top floor of this Holiday Inn hotel. It had floor to ceiling windows all the way around the whole story. It was just a baby grand piano in the corner. They had the snow was lightly falling. The kids were great. We were having a good time. I remember saying to them. Um, they said, okay, let's get ice cream. And I'm like, okay. So I run to the, to the freezer in, the, in their kitchen, and they go, what are you doing? And I'm like, 
I was going to get ice cream. And they said, no, we just call room service. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have to do this. So when the guy got home, you know, the GM got home, I'm like, I need to work here. I will do anything. I'll clean rooms. I'll work at the desk. I'll be a, you know, a hostess at your restaurant. And he said, well, it's interesting you say that. I have a night management position available. And I thought, oh, he sees my potential. It would be great. And how old were you at the time? I was 16, and so 16, it, was, okay. it was literally a night audit, 11 at night to 7 in the morning, and they called it a manager to make it more appealing, and it was, you know, a couple dollars more an hour than what I was making at the time. I mean, at that time, it was a lot of money to me, um, so I would go get off, you know, get to work at 11 at night, get off at 7 in the morning and go to high school, and then, um, you know, try to sleep after school to where I was getting ready to go to work, so, and I just so wait, you were going, school. you were going to school? And then taking a nap and then starting work at 11 p.m. and going to 7 a.m. as a 16-year-old? I was. I had drive, Chad. I was oh my going God. Like, and I needed the money. And I don't know what I needed the money for, but I loved that job. All of a sudden, because you are literally the night manager of like a 250-room hotel. It was spectacular. And so, you know, of course, so here's the other side, right? It's a manual night audit process, which means – you literally had what they call a board, and the board said room 123, Chad Sakonchik, and the rate is $99. And so you'd have to take all of those at the end of the night and add it up, and hopefully it would add whatever was in the cash drawer at the time. <laughs> a lot of people were paying cash then and whatever credit card statements you had. And if it didn't balance, you stayed until it did. And I, I remember one night very specifically I spent – I, I spent the entire night trying to balance this night, and I couldn't get it to balance. And the GM came in the next morning, and I stayed up with the, you know, the accounting team. It was noon before I left, so that was a 13-hour shift, you know, and I still don't think it was balanced. And I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. There has to be a better way to do this. And so I spent the next two days were my two days. They gave me a day off because I didn't get any sleep, and then the next day after. And I designed a system that created a process that made it easier to balance. And I thought, why aren't people making this easier? It's like always figuring out ways to streamline things to make them more efficient. Again, at the time, I didn't know that was an entrepreneurial skill. But I'm super grateful I had the, the opportunity to do that and that it worked. <laughs> I don't know what it would have done if it hadn't worked. <laughs> I, I also think it's interesting that, that someone put a 16-year-old that maybe they knew you you know, better than, than I'm getting in my head visually, but <laughs> – just putting a 16-year-old that they might not know so well in charge of all of their money to count up at the end of the night. I mean, that's that's a that's that's a really interesting. Uh, I I would say kind of risky move to make, but you know, it it worked out for them. It worked out for you, so that's great. Well, okay. So the piece I didn't tell you there is there's always two night auditors. The, my partners, the other women, and, and there was one gentleman that had the job with me were much older, and they were they were also the ones that they would call housekeeping before the last housekeeper left at night and said, bring us extra pillows and blankets in case a guest requested them, and then they would sit in the back and sleep while I worked because I was the rookie. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> and they were, get, they were getting paid more than you probably. Probably. I wish I would have known that at the time. I would have fought for it, but I didn't know to do that. But it was, yeah, it was a great job. It was fun. Lots of autonomy. Nobody was around. I felt like I was in charge. You know, again, those are all things that I love and and certainly um, grateful to know that today. You know, I love to be in charge. I love to be the the person that gets to set the vision and create what we're doing. And, and that has served me well in my current company. Okay, so 16, 17-year-old Tony is uh, is running the numbers while the old people are sleeping in the back. What, where do we go from there? <laughs> well, then I graduated from high school and took uh, my first semester at the University of Minnesota and was, you know, thought I'd go on the typical university track. And I was walking across campus from the student freshman parking to my English lit class, and it was about 12 degrees below zero, and I was crying because I was so cold, and I got frostbite on my eyes, like right where my tears were coming down, and I called my dad when I got home, and I said, I don't want to live here anymore. <laughs> so I packed up my stuff within 30 days of that and moved to Oklahoma City, where he had lived, still lives, actually. He's been there for over 30 years, and started going to the community college, and when I got there, I thought, okay, I'm going to 
apply for hotel jobs. And I got a job as a front desk clerk at the Embassy Suites Hotel. Again, amazing job. I met some of the most fun people. I worked the 3 to 11 shift. It was a 236-room hotel still in, you know, 1815 South Meridian. It's still there. And just had such a ball because it was hospitality. It's people. And, oh, my gosh, the the chef at the time is still one of my closest friends. You know, he would we, – we could either have a salad or a cheeseburger at the front desk. And so we would call down – you know, if there was two or three front desk associates, we'd call down and say, okay, I want my salad or my cheeseburger. And when I would call down, I'd say, hey, hook me up something cool. And he'd send up filet and lobster. <laughs> I always got the best meals because I knew the chef. And um, it was a really fun job. Loved that job. I did that for three years. So it was good. And then, oh, my gosh, Chad, the the sales secretary was going on maternity leave. And I thought, you know, the sales women in that office appealed to me so much. They always came to work in their elegant clothing. And they had customers coming in. And they toured them around the hotel and took them to lunch. And I thought, I want to do that. So when the sales secretary got pregnant and was leaving, the director of sales walked up to me and said, hey, you know, would you be, you know, interested in this? And I'm like, I would love to do this. When can I start? And she said, well, we have a pretty immediate need. We can't find anybody. And she's like, do you know how to type? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And she said, great. So can you start Monday? This was on a Thursday. And I said, yes. So I get off work on Thursday. I drive to the community college and try to get into a typing class because I have to learn how to type by Monday. I had no idea how to type. (laughs) At the time, they were triplicate copies of rooming agreements. So if you booked a wedding, you would have the white, the pink, and the yellow copy. Which also means that you've got to really hit that button hard. You've got to go through all three. You can't imagine the amount of whiteout I used and the number of contracts I had to tear up as I was creating those rooming agreements. Yeah, it was crazy. But I did that for um, a couple of years. I got promoted there, went to a sales manager position, liked that. But I, again, here's the other piece, right? I want to do more, want to do more, want to do more. Interesting, because I really wanted to be the director of sales. And I thought, well, eventually she'll leave and I'll take her her job, right? Well, the director so you're of plotting, the you're plotting meeting. against people. Oh, not intentionally. <laughs> I wasn't. I, 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 I got you. I'm just, I'm just joshing you. I'm just you're joshing. exactly right. But that's exactly what I was doing, trying to jockey my way into the right place so I could get that next role. So the director of sales was a woman named Debbie Debbie Newman. Chad, she is still at that hotel today. If I had been waiting oh, wow. for her to leave, I would still be the sales manager. She's like one of the longest running general managers. I'm sorry, directors of sales in any hotel that I've ever heard of. And she's incredible, just an incredible woman. And I'm so grateful she gave me the opportunity to be not only the secretary, and I was a disaster at that, but moved me into the sales management role. And when I realized she wasn't going anywhere, I I applied for a job at a Hampton Inn hotel next door as their director of sales. I wanted the DOS title, right? So I was, you know, going to the community college. I got my associate's degree, did my director of sales job at the Hampton, and then they actually asked me if I would be willing to move to Dallas and become a general manager. At the time, I was dating my husband, and he was living in Long Island, and I was in Oklahoma City, and we were looking for a place that we could both feel good about moving to, and that Dallas opportunity took us to Texas, where um, now we're in Austin. But it was a it was a great way for Bill and I to, to connect and to move in together and for me to try out being a GM, which I hated. So... So you were a sales, so just to kind of uh, summarize, you started as the, just from the kind of, in the hotel theme that that we're in right now, is you were the line auditor, is is that right? The line, the night line auditor to begin with. Then you were offered uh, the position to be a, a front desk or you moved to the front desk. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And then, and then it was a secretary in the sales department. Yep. And then it was a manager of sales. Yep. And then director of sales. Yep. So you just kind of, you, you and was there anything specific other than just kind of the opportunities being laid out in front of you that, that kind of sent you down that, that path or, 
uh, is there anything deeper than that? Or was it just, I really like working in the hotel and this opportunity came up, so I'm going to slide in here. And then this opportunity came up, so I'm going to slide in here. I'm going to try to get this other opportunity, but it didn't work out. So I found this other opportunity. Like, can you give me a little bit of a background on that? Yeah, so I always have been looking for the next thing. I still do that in my business today. It's like, okay, our service is amazing, but how do we be more innovative? How do we create something that even more people have a need for, right? So it's what's next. It's the what's next, never being completely satisfied where you are. And I didn't know at the time that that was a, a key component of my personality that made me an entrepreneur. I, I didn't know that, but that is what what we have in common or what I have in common with a lot of people now that I have met that have a similar experience in starting their companies. Um, I think I'm always looking for the next thing. I'm always looking. And sometimes it fell in my lap and sometimes I just needed to do it. I also am somebody that gets bored pretty quickly. So after I feel like I have done something for a long time or mastered a job, I just need to do something different. And um, it, it's a new challenge. I'm, I'm a, I, I didn't know this about myself either, but I love to learn. I, am a, I have a huge hunger for new information. What I didn't think that I was was because I wasn't a huge fan of college. I did graduate. I got my bachelor's degree. I went on to get a master's degree in tourism and hospitality. I felt like, you know, I wanted to know everything I could know about hotels. I love the hotel industry. I love to travel. I like the idea of 100 people in your building and they're all having a different experience and they're for a different reason and everybody's got a story. You know, it's like the theory of baggage claim being the happiest place on earth. You know, people are joining each other for long lost loves. You know, it's like there's something that so appeals to me about hotels and travel. And so that I knew was a right fit. But the jobs, just like I needed to do something something new all the time. And I know that you have that in a lot of ways and always kind of looking for the next thing and the new thing. And, and it's not that the old thing was bad. It's just that you now have energy towards something, what feels like the next bigger, better thing. So so something that I'm, I'm finding as kind of a, a pattern here that I think is interesting is that um, you find something you like and then you add on something else. So for in the babysitting, you know, job, you enjoyed, you know, kind of managing a group of people and kind of being the boss of that job. So you liked it, you latched onto that. Uh, in the next job, you really, really enjoyed working with your friends and working with people that you had a good time with. So you latched onto that and you kept on, uh, kept that, you know, you latched on. And then you yeah. moved on to uh, hospitality and you and you realized that hospitality was the the foundation of what you wanted to build your career on, and so it seems you know we you know we don't know what happened next, but it seems as though you never left hospitality once you got into hospitality, and you were trying to get back those other two things that you didn't have, move you know as you moved along. So you had the you had the hospitality foundation, you really really liked it, and you just kind of moved around in those jobs uh, within hospitality until you could kind of fulfill those other things that you would like. And then, you know, whatever else that you, you know, you learned that you enjoyed or the skill sets you found that you were natural to. Absolutely. That's really, <laughs> you're so insightful. You'd think I would have known that, but yeah, you articulated that really well, really well. Yeah. Time for a sponsored message. Get your LLC from betterlegal.com. Estate filing, EIN filing, and operating agreement for one price as fast as your state will allow. Also offering registered agent service and ongoing state compliance. Let Better Legal handle formalities so you can handle the actual business. So here's speaking of what happened next, I mean, it's not much longer than that. So I, became, I was this GM in Dallas, and that was a really hard job. It was not I, – I did it. I was good at it, but I hated it. I had – when I got to that hotel, I had one night auditor. I had two front desk agents. And it's a 24-hour business. The hotels don't ever shut down. And that left six, eight-hour shift, eight shifts um, at the front desk a week. That's 48 hours. Plus, I was trying to learn this general manager job. So I needed to get uh, more help, right? And I didn't know how to recruit people. I had moved. I didn't know anybody in Dallas. You know, I'd been in Oklahoma City at this point. So I realized very quickly that the ownership of the hotel said, well, we don't have enough money to hire an assistant manager because they make too much. And I realized these front desk clerks weren't 
um, they were turning over quickly and not very dedicated. And that sometimes, you know, this is where you learn hiring somebody just to have a body is not the right move, even if it's painful to have to wait. So that was a really valuable thing to know because um, I made a lot of mistakes in hires. But I, I needed to hire an AGM uh, assistant manager so that I could give them all that front desk responsibility and I could actually learn how to be a GM better. And so I had an, a, a piece of business that was it was actually State Farm. They had There was a horrible hailstorm, and they had adjusters coming in. They needed 30 rooms. They were going to be there about six months. It was about $500,000 in business, and I figured out how to book it by throwing in a meeting room that they could have the whole time they were there and putting snacks in the room. I said, I will fill this meeting room with snacks and sodas and a TV, and you guys can have it as an area to hang out while you're here for so long. And they loved that. And that's the other component. Along the way, it's just that little bit of extra thinking a little bit differently than all the competitors that bid on that business and even some of them that gave them a better rate. Like they paid more to stay with us because I genuinely wanted the business. I did think we had a better product, but I threw in something that appealed to them, which is the sales part of my personality, right? I see things other people don't see. And so I'm able to do something that uh, it attracts business. And then I was able to hire my AGM and you know, I was there for a while. And then, you know, again, I'm okay, now I've been running this hotel. I'm not crazy about it. It was a very difficult job. So I got an opportunity to go back into sales because that's, you know, the operational component of a hotel and the sales part are very different jobs. And so there was a, a two hotels that were under construction in Austin. It was a Hampton Inn and a Homewood Suites at Mopac and Breaker in the Arboretum area. And so they offered me an area director of sales job to come to Austin and open these hotels. And I had never done that. So here's another, now that had all the elements of awesome, right? I'd never done it. It was hotels. They were brand new. I'd never done that. And so it was such a cool opportunity. My husband had a great job at the time. And I told him, you know, I said, I don't know if you'd entertain this, but I'm excited about it. And he's like, let's do it. He's been a huge supporter of me throughout the years. And um, so we moved here to open this hotel, and that was awesome. And I, I loved doing that until I got bored. <laughs> and then I worked worked for Hilton Corporation, you know, in a in a traveling position, and I loved that job. Did it for six years, made great money. Hilton is an amazing company, amazing company. But what happened after six years is I wanted to be a vice president. I was a director, and in order to be a vice president, you had to move to Memphis, where the corporation is is headquartered. And Bill said, "No, we're not moving to Memphis." <laughs> he moved. He moved from New York to Dallas to Austin, and he's like, "That's it. I'm done. We're staying here." And I said, "Okay, I, I got that. I wasn't excited about necessarily moving to Memphis, but I would have done it for the job." And um, I'm glad we didn't. It, it was the right thing to stay here. He was working, you know, at a at a high tech company here at the time, and um, it was just the right thing to do for us. So that was okay. So we've that. we've we've bounced around a lot of more hotel type stuff. Yeah. Um, so the the recent one, I'm not quite sure on what the actual position was. You said it was a director of of travel. It was actually a director of brand performance support was the title, and it really was working with the Homewood Suites brand. Homewood Suites, at the time that I joined them, had 42 hotels. It, that was it in the entire franchise, and they were growing quickly. So I had the West Coast, everything west of the Mississippi, and so I and uh, another girl had the, the East Coast. My friend Eileen had the East Coast, and so we – you know, as it grew, more people came on and we got bigger and bigger. You know, that brand is ginormous now. They have, I don't know, 800 hotels or something. I'd have to look. But they have, they are, you know, Homewood's an incredible brand. But I was but what, what is it. the director of brand, like what was your actual job function in this role? Yeah, so I supported the ownership groups of the hotels and then supported the franchise from a Hilton standpoint. So my whole goal of that job was kind of a liaison between Hilton and the owner. And what I was trying to do is help them to create more money and become more profitable in the hotels. And so having had all the experience I had had played into that role, right, I knew how to have a better guest experience so you would have higher return so that you'd have, you know, that return guest is so much 
more valuable than the new one that's constantly coming in. So that component, I knew how to do sales to get basic base business for a hotel. I knew about the quality assurance requirements. I knew about the marketing things that people don't take advantage of. So I had kind of this full service how do you make a hotel more money? And every hotel is different. Every market is different. Every team is different. Every staffing models are different. And so you had to go in and kind of take this puzzle and say which piece could have improvement. And it, every hotel was different, but it was a great job. Just incredible um, opportunity. I was all of a sudden meeting asset managers and owners of hotels and multi-million dollar management companies and like that was really I was again exposed to something new really 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 fun and exciting job worked with people I was crazy about we were having a good time I loved the travel I was on the road about 80 percent of the time there was it was all good that was a that was a great 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 job okay so what happened then I wanted to be a VP. They told me I had to move to Memphis. I'm not moving right, to Memphis, right, right. so now i got to be a VP. So, yeah, no, I, and so I got a job at a um, – this is the last job I had before I started my company. I got a job as a vice president of sales and marketing for a large hotel management company that had, um, you know, 50-plus hotels. And so that was a big job, and what I didn't realize getting into that role was that I was going to not get to sell anymore or be really part of the hotel excitement anymore. When you get to that level, you're basically managing the sales aspect for 50-plus assets of that each have, you know, multi-million dollar budgets. So I'm sitting in Florida looking at budgets for all these hotels, and I added up all the bottom-line revenue, and I'm like, uh, well, I guess it was top-line revenue, actually, and I was responsible for three-quarters of a billion dollars in revenue, and I'm like – you know, with my elbows on the table and my forehead and my hands going, what am I doing? It's all math. It's all forecasting. It's all, you know, analytics. And that's the stuff that drains me. I, I, I am not, I'm a extroverted, high energy, need to be around people. And it ended up being a lot of firing, a lot of hiring, a lot of analysis, um, determining where we should build hotels, how we should do renovations you know, marketing campaigns. It just wasn't, it wasn't fun. And so I needed to do something else. And I left that job after two years. And I thought when I, then I started my company, DBA Jack Russo Enterprises. And what I thought I would be doing is the stuff that I did for Hilton. So I thought, I know all this stuff about how to make a hotel more profitable. I'm going to go make sales calls on hotels and tell them I can consult with them. Which was brilliant, right? I mean, like, I'm good at that. It was, I had all that experience. The problem was I'm calling on customers that already have that service through the franchise. Like, Hilton, that was the job I had. So, I'm trying to, so you're competing with the brand that they had to use. That's a well, genius that's marketing plan. I was competing with the people that they had that service for free from also really qualified people that were good at what they did. So mm. that didn't work. <laughs> that did not work. And how how long did it take you to figure figure out that that wasn't that wasn't working? <laughs> oh my God, probably six months. It was horrible. Wow. Okay. <laughs> hey, we've hey we've all done it. We've all done it. You know, I, in my in my last you know in my company right before Better Legal was. Space theft, and I worked on that for two entire years. <laughs> but, but a lot of the stuff that I learned, you know, and the tools that I built uh, for that immediately, you know, translated to being able to build it faster and quicker and knowing what I needed for, for my newest company. So I get, you know, the, the going down a path deep enough to where, you know, and, and let me ask you a question. When you when you realized you didn't want to do it or it wasn't working, did you have a lot of trouble kind of saying, no, I still want to do this. This is the right thing. Like, did you go down far enough in the path that you didn't want to divert the path and, and change something else because you thought it was going to work? So that's a really good question. I think – Here's what I did, and I, it's a lot of, you know, they, I, I read lots of stories about really successful entrepreneurs and business leaders, and along the way, every single one of them had this, what I call a moment of dumb luck, and they just capitalized on it, right? And so I was 
really struggling. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I couldn't kind of get this business off the ground. I was, you know, I was considering going back to work as a general manager and just really feeling drained but needed a job, you know. And so I thought, well, I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go do what everybody does. I'm going to go visit my mom. And so I flew down to see my mom. And I'm in the, she was living in the Virgin Islands at the time. And I'm in the San Juan, Puerto Rico airport. And I all of a sudden got this wave of inspiration. And I didn't have any paper. All I had were American Airlines napkins. And I started like, feverishly writing on these napkins and I'm in this empty gate I have like a four-hour layover and I'm it's a carpeted gate and I have all these napkins kind of spread out all over you know all over the place and it turned into this kind of beautiful mosaic of here are the things I love to do here are the things I like to do and here are the things I will never do again and so I thought okay how do I build something around all the things I love to do. And that's where I went back all the way to the Dayton's job because it was everything I loved to do was around people. So I'm like, okay, let me make a list of all the people in the hotel business that I respect, admire, care deeply about, or truly love. And I made a list of 20 people. And I started with the number one was my previous boss. Number two was a colleague that I had worked with, and number three was a gentleman named Don Willingham who still works at Hilton. He's gone on to great things. And Don said, I can't pay you, but I'm doing this kind of brainstorming session. Would you like to come to Memphis and just, you know, sit around and ideate with us on how to help the Homewood Suites brand solve a problem? And I remember at the time thinking, okay, he's not paying me, but he's paying my travel. He's paying my airfare and hotel. And okay, well, what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm just going to do what people I care about tell me to do and give me the opportunity. So I show up and that was all fine. We did the brainstorming. I contributed to that, but I'm walking through the Hilton corporate office and I'm doing what I do, which is making sales calls on people and (laughs) ran into somebody that said, hey, I have a piece of training business. And so I started doing training for Hilton as a contractor. And then I had a project that I started doing. And I just, you know, I I, I am so grateful that I made that list of 20 people because I have 17 left if this somehow starts to fail. (laughs) Because after the third one, I ended up, I ended up okay, you know, and I, I am, I am so blessed to have at the about the fourth year in my company had the opportunity to work with Hilton to create the service that I have now. And um that's you know, I just took it and ran with it and got it bigger so and let's customized pause, and everything from let's pause there real quick. Is so yeah. you were you you had this business going for four whole years before you actually started doing what you're doing now is which is what brought you you know, the success that you're, you're seeing now. Is that right? That's exactly right. So, so, you know, I, we got a little tidbit of that, you know, can you go, dive deeper into what those things were during those four years that got, you know, that that you did that were working, but weren't allowing you to get bigger. And then what it was that really made that, what was the catalyst for actually doing this thing now? Yeah. Great question. I think for me, it goes back to still, like what's next, wanting more, selling the big thing. I love to sell and I'm really good at it. And I'm good at like, and the reason why is because I genuinely am able to see solutions to problems that people are having. So I, every time I went to Memphis, it was at the Hilton corporate office where I was doing sales training. So I would go once or twice, you know, a a month for a week at a time. And I started to develop incredible relationships and friendships with those people. I truly care about them. And then they would start saying, hey, what if we did this? What if we did this? What if we did this? And they had this huge need for all of these leads that Hilton was giving to the hotels, but the hotels weren't even responding to them. And the reason why they weren't responding is because the general manager is too busy, you know, (laughs) watching the front desk and folding laundry, right? I know that. And so I I had said to the to the woman that was having the trouble I said you know we could do that from our home office we don't need to be at you know at a hotel to respond to a lead and that's really the, how it started and they said you know we've identified this need for basically lead response and then we said okay let's throw in some prospecting let's not only respond to the leads coming in but let's help them find new business and so they actually. For the first year, I hired four people, and we had 20 hotels, and we went and saw that it was going to work, proof proof that it works. 
and um, through that, we did, you know, I continued to keep that training business. Now I was doing a lot of training. I had hired these four people to help me with this service. I was taking hotel projects, like anything, anything really that came across my desk, I was taking it. And that served me well in the beginning. It absolutely killed me when I was eight, eight, nine, ten years in. I mean, that's where, as an entrepreneur, to grow and to scale, you have to quit doing what your company does. You can't do what your company does. You have to let other people do that to be most effective. And that's what I have found. I am not effective anymore doing consulting, doing training, so servicing hotels, where my job is to create a culture where people are happy to be that and find the best people in the world to be able to do those jobs. So I think that was a that was a tough lesson, and it was hours and hours and hours of, of hard work, as you know, when you're starting a new company, it's it's you're doing everything. And my whole my whole entrepreneurial career in this company has been just a series of having to let go. Just like you know, I did everything, and then I had to slowly hire somebody to help me with bookkeeping, and I had to hire somebody to help me with you know, administrative tasks and just, it's just one thing after the other. And every time I have to leave, it's like leaving claw marks on it. Cause I'm like, I'm going to, you know, how do, I don't know how to let go as well as other people do. I'm not great at delegating sometimes. So, um, and knowing what to step in on and what to step away from and the better talent that I hire and the more qualified people I hire, the easier that gets. Cause I have, I have all the faith in the world in my executive team and my leadership team right now, and I literally don't need to be there. They run just fine without me. So it's a, so it's a great. I think that's, I think that's interesting because I think every you know entrepreneur that finds scalability and success, you know, is going to have to to deal with that. And, and I'm dealing with that myself right now. Is is the you know you're the one that built the machine. Yeah. And you are the you are all the cogs in the machine, and right. you eventually need to replace the cogs with yourself to other other people that that can that can do it for you, so then you can get to the next level. And it's just a really hard thing to do because it is your business, and you know what you know you know what it takes to run it. But also, more importantly, you you care that this thing runs properly mm-hmm. and that, and that you, you're so attached to it. And this is part of the thing that you love to do. You're, you got into this for a reason because you love it, but then you have to let it go to let someone else run it for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that, that does sound very painful. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm having to kind of experience some of that myself, but um, so let's kind of like revisit the whole thing real quick. Um, you know, Tony, Tony likes managing people. Tony likes working with her friends and people that she cares about. <laughs> Tony likes hospitality. Tony did a bunch of different jobs in hospitality until she didn't and she hated it. And and that kind of goes back to when I, when I stopped with the patterns earlier was, you know, you, you followed all these paths down hospitality until you weren't in hospitality anymore. You realized it was wrong and you kind of redirected back into that path. And then you knew that you wanted to do something yourself. You knew you wanted to, you know, be a contractor. And so you just kind of took what jobs they gave you. You didn't necessarily like the jobs. You you did something because it was available and allowed the business to be alive. And you did that for four years until an opportunity fell into your lap. And you, you heard the, the right words from the right people or you saw, you know, the light, you know, in, in an opportunity that just kind of was there where it was like, why isn't anyone doing this? I don't understand. And then you started doing that. And that's what kind of propelled you to where you are now. And I think the lesson to be learned here is just, you know, you, you don't even have, you know, a lot of people say, you know, quit and start your own company, but it took you a long time to get to the point to earn the skill set and the experience to where you could start your own company to then travel down that path for four years until you found the gem of the opportunity that you were really, really looking for. So you didn't just, you know, at 22 years old, say, I'm going to start my own company and be successful. You had to learn about all this other stuff first. You know, there are the people that are out there that, you know, are out, you know, college dropouts that find that thing immediately. But for most of us, it takes a lot of 
a lot of time and effort and relationship building and, and experience building to then find that opportunity, and w- which also leads me to kind of never giving up. Because had mm-hmm. you given up two years into your company, you were only, you, you know, you had gone through this entire career and you're only two years away, or even if it was a month prior, had you decided mm-hmm. to go off and, and go back, uh, you know, you would have never experienced that opportunity. And, and so my, 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 my point to all of this is that it, it takes a lot of years and a lot of failed opportunities to then realize when an opportunity is good and kind of vet it. And then, you know, then you've got all of, you know, then you had all of your skills on, you know, sales training, sales, front manager work, you, you knew the business in and out, you had a good uh, basis of understanding of everything that went on in a hotel. So then when you had this opportunity, you, you just had, you knew everything. And so you were able mm-hmm. to then propel yourself and then educate others, create the culture that you always wanted at Dayton and, mm-hmm. and bring, bring the company where you are today. So tell me if I got any of that wrong or if you want to chime in on any of that. Yeah, I think that was a really good summary. And it's funny because I look back and there were other factors. You know, I you said, you know, it takes years and that probably sounds really daunting to somebody that wants to start a company or be in an entrepreneurial role somewhere. And while I was blessed with the fact that I had, you know, years and years and years of hotel experience, which made me a natural fit to start this business that I do now, our core service, which is hotel sales support. There also is this component where experience takes too long. Like, there's got to be a way to shorten that. I just don't know how to do it. But what I do know is if I find the person or the people with the right attitude, some of the right skill set, like, can I teach them what they need to know quicker um, so that they can then use their gifts um, in my company. So I struggle with that. Like you have to come here with some hotel experience. You have to come here with sales experience. I mean, we, you know, that's the job, right? I mean, you can't, I, it would be very difficult to teach somebody that knew nothing about hotel sales in the franchise community how to do this job, but they're home office. But there is a component of taking somebody that maybe doesn't have this tremendous amount of experience and putting them into a role. And why I say that is because Inside my company, I have entrepreneurial opportunities. I've got lots of people that started in our company in one role and are in a different role now because they found a need. And they said, hey, what if we did this? I said, great, go for it. And, you know, giving them all the backing and the support that they need. But there is a way to to not have to do 20 years of experience before starting your own thing. The one thing, well, I think of I think of a few things that were critical to the success for me, regardless of experience, regardless of how long you do it. Number one is a mentor. Get somebody that's really good that has done it before or has some experience of things they have done in the past that have failed. Learn from that. Take that advice because it is – you want to talk about a quicker path, right? Just get somebody that's been there that you really trust and rely on what they're telling you. The second thing is pricing. Trying to determine what to charge was always and sometimes still is the hardest part of my job. It Now I'm, I'm pretty good. I know that we have a market. We have competitors. We kind of balance things out. But at the time, I mean, how much do you charge for a one-day training class in Indianapolis? How much do you charge to speak at a, you know, at a at a Marriott conference? How do you, you know, like how do you do that? How much do you charge to do a one-week training class? And what I know is that I had again going back to mentors, and so people often ask me what do they charge for things, and typically the answer is whatever you think you need to charge, double it, because I always sell myself short. So that would be the next, the second most important thing. Look for a, a mentor. Don't be able to, don't be afraid to charge what you're worth. And the third and final thing I would say of everything, you cannot start a company because you want to make a lot of money. That is not the, and I'm not saying it needs to be altruistic where you're just trying to give back to the community unless you want to start a great nonprofit, then maybe that is what you have to do. But for me, 
I didn't start the company because I wanted to make millions of dollars. I started the company because I wanted to work in the hotel industry. I wanted a job where I was surrounded by people I loved. I wanted to do something that involved travel. I wanted to do something that utilized my gifts for sales. And I wanted to lift people up instead of tear people down. There was so many things that I brought to the table that I was very clear on. And that served me really well, um, but not in the top 10 things of the perfect job. You know, money is important. You can't do it without money, but that, those top 10, money wasn't in there. And I'm convinced that that is what has helped me become successful because I would turn down things that didn't fit because it was stuff on my I will never do this again list. I don't want to analyze reports. I don't want to work in a job where I'm, you know, doing data analytics. I mean, that is not my gift. I partner with people that that is their gift. That is where the vision and the you know comes in is okay. I have a hole here. That goes back to looking for the opportunity, which you so so eloquently said. So I don't know. Those are my three things. Well, Tony, thank you so much for all of that. If you've got, do you have a uh, uh, ways that people listening can reach out to you? Do you have social media? Uh, where do you post stuff? Where do you write or whatever? Absolutely. So the way you can find us, the easiest way is jackarusso.com, and it's J-A-C-A-R-U-S-O. That's our website. We are certainly on all forms of social media from, you know, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us. We are LinkedIn. We are, you know, easy to find, and we would um, certainly welcome any conversations that anybody wanted to have. I'm happy to happy to contribute in any way I can. I'm excited for what you've created and where you're going with this. And um, as always, I wish you the best of luck. I, I, I think you're um, an incredible person, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today. All right. So I just want to thank everybody for listening. This is Looking Backward, and this is Tony Jackaruso of Jackaruso Enterprises. And uh, we will see you next time. <laughs>